Hello, you're listening to Flow, the podcast about menstruation, brought to you by Lilian's Talk. In part one of our episode on what's normal, pain, what to watch for, and learning to talk about pain while on our menstrual cycle, I sit down with Dr. Ilana Johnson, who is the doctor that we use in Flow, the book about menstruation, about the journey to understanding how to handle pain and what pain isn't uh, to be handled and when to seek medical attention for pain. We also discuss... um, we discuss conditions such as polycystic ovarian syndrome and endometriosis. And Dr. Ilana gives us tips on how to empower ourselves and other people with periods to understand their bodies better and seek help when they need it. Listen to this fascinating conversation. Dr. Ilana, welcome to this conversation and thank you so much for joining me as usual. Thank you, Bonzo. Thank you for having me today. Yes, and I think let's start period pains. Are they normal? Is it normal to have period pains? Is it not normal? What should we take as a sign to come see someone like you or go see a doctor? Yeah, so I think that it is very normal to have period pain to a certain extent. So what your period is essentially is your uterus lining being shed Um, and in doing that you have a little bit of cramping of the the uterus as a muscle and it cramps a little bit and in that cramping and the releasing of the blood through the cervix you are going to stimulate some some hormones that can cause the cramping kind of sensation but pain should definitely not be so severe that you end up lying in your bed curled up unable to do your normal activities of daily living or your ADLs as we call them um, also you should maybe you can use something mild to you know dampen the pain and everyone's pain thresholds are obviously quite different um, but if you're popping mypridols or acridols or whatever every couple of hours for your whole period that is most definitely not normal and I see so many young women in my practice on a daily basis and they come to me and they say I'm just coming for a routine checkup Um, And I had one this week and I said to her, okay, cool. Why are you coming? She's like, no, well, I just want to chat about um, contraceptions. I said, okay, cool. Um, And then I said, what's your period like? She said, no, well, it's completely normal, but a very nice period. I said, okay, cool. And then I went further into what is her period about. And then she said to me, well, um, actually, day one is pretty heavy and to the point where I'm changing, you know, my tampon every two hours. Now, that's already too much. Okay? Sure. Mm. And then she says, and actually, um, yeah, I don't go, I don't let period go by without using a whole box of microdolls. So I said, okay, well, that's not really normal. And then, you know, on further examination and ultrasound, I saw that she's most definitely got endometriosis. And here she is at 26 years old for the first time seeing a gynae because she had normalized her experience of a period. And her first words were, I've got a normal period. And I said, you did most definitely do not have a normal period. And she was almost like enlightened now because she realized that she didn't have to suffer like this. There are ways of treating it and there are ways of, you know, managing this condition once it's diagnosed. So, yes, there is a little bit of period pain that's acceptable, um, Mm. but... It should not be as much as requiring lots and lots of pain medication or lots and lots of hot water bottles all the time. I mean, you know, we talk about this. I just finished my cycle right now. And I will tell you, you know, from just personal experience from I when I was a teen, 
I like I used to faint at school. I used to have such bad mm-hmm. period pains, and um, <laughs> and it's not normal, right? But I like just like the patient that you just mentioned. Now I normalized that for a very long time. I think until I was in my early twenties, I lived with that pain, and you know, it was just so bad. And but we don't. I I remember, you know not having access to that information and god bless my mother at the point as well she i don't really think she had normalized her own pain when yeah. she had periods and so it was just like okay take this pill um yeah. take a hot water bottle get into bed early curl up uh yeah. work through it cry through it and i remember coming to university and where you know you read more and i was just like this is not normal. I should yeah. not be in this much pain. It's seeing, you know, as we got all, as I got older and when I was more comfortable in talking to my own friends about period pains and, and their cycles, that's when I first realized, no, I shouldn't be missing a, a day of lectures or whatever for, for this pain. But even when I went to doctors, I must say, it took me a while to find a doctor who would listen to me why do you think that even medical professionals undermine or underestimate or don't believe us as people who menstruate when we talk about the pain we're in yeah I don't know I don't know how to answer that question because I'm specializing to the gynae field so I know about all these problems and I know what's normal and what's not normal but I can tell you that the time um, specifically for endometriosis, which is basically a condition where you experience severe pain with, with periods. Um, the time for diagnosis of endometriosis is usually about 10 years. So it goes unnoticed. It gets called other things many times. You know, it's, it's called IBS or this or that. Um, often patients with endometriosis will end up with surgeries for appendix and then it's normal appendix and no one knows what's going on or ruptured cysts, all these, all these random diagnoses. And at the end of it, somebody will be like, actually go to a gynae. Um, and then they'll be like, oh, it's very obvious you've got endometriosis. Um, so it's a, one of those hidden diagnoses. And often, you know, politically and as well, we don't often take women seriously when it comes to things related to their menstrual cycle. And I'm not an expert on that, you know, but I, that is something that exists in the world. And, that's why it's very, very important. And I always, people always ask, when is the right time to come to a gynae? And I mm. say, if you, if you want to get information about, which is real and true and up-to-date and evidence-based, you come to a gynae. So when you're starting contraception, yes, your GP can start you on contraception, um, but come to the gynae because I will be able to choose the exact correct contraception for you um, related to you and your body and what you need. Um, instead of just giving you sort of the first um, the first line of contraception that everyone goes on. Um, so it's not only about women with disorders that come to gynees as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so in terms of sort of pain and that, I, I don't I don't know why people ignore it and why they have to just medicate without looking for answers first. And yeah, it's, it, need, it needs to change. And, and And, you know, you talk about how, managing the pain so popping a painkiller here and there is considered normal and uh, I know one of the first ways uh, doctors wanted to treat my own irregular pain 
was through uh, contraceptives. Can you just talk us through how contraceptives help or can be a, a, a management for uh, painful periods? Yeah. So the first thing when we're talking about painful periods, obviously, is to make a diagnosis about why there's painful periods. And you basically have something called primary dysmenorrhea. So dysmenorrhea is what's what's painful periods. And um, primary means we don't know what the cause is. You just have painful periods, you know. And secondary dysmenorrhea is where we say you've got painful periods because of something. So obviously it's easier when you have because of something, secondary dysmenorrhea, um, then we treat the cause. So if it's endometriosis, we treat that. Um, often one of the treatments for endometriosis is to use hormonal contraception. So we're not trying to make you not have babies. We're trying to use the hormonal contraception to treat the dysfunction. Okay. So basically what the pull does is it stops your cycle, basically stops your ovulation. It stops your normal cycle. Okay. And then in doing that, it will lessen your blood flow because we've just taken all your normal function of your hormonal cycle away. So it lessens your blood flow and lessens your bleeding. And if your bleeding is less, um, then often the pain will be less. Um, And that's the basis of how the pill actually works. But there are other methods of treatment as well, which is not just the normal birth control pill. There are other birth conceptions that can also be used, which don't interfere in the menstrual cycle, which can also improve period pains. Um, And sometimes using a non-hormonal method is also a possibility, such as using anti-inflammatories, because anti-inflammatories, besides taking away your pain, can also decrease your flow. So there's various methods we can use for different patients based on their own sort of risk factors and patient factors that we need to take into account before treating the pain. So it's not completely wrong to give you um, a pain medication, but it is very important to try and figure out the cause first before just slapping on a bandage without looking for the cause. So endometriosis is a very specific condition. That's one of the main causes of period pain. Um, And surgery can sometimes help, you know, um, if if we do it surgically and then we use hormones thereafter to suppress the endometriosis, that's very important. And it's just very important to seek the right help. Um, And there's general gynees like myself who treat it. Um, But sometimes I will refer to endometriosis experts if they're very, very difficult cases because it's a very difficult disease to treat and it's chronic. So it needs to be treated until the woman stops menstruating. Yeah, and that's, you know, and, you know, when we talk about private sector, I know you are private practicing OBGYN. So you see a lot of patients who are on medical aid or have the finances to, to, to pay out of pocket for this. And, you know, one of the things that in this book that we've been very adamant in addressing is also the socioeconomic factors and access points, right? And one of the access points, I would say for me, I know if I didn't have my parents' medical aid when I was a student, when I was still in school, and then getting my own medical aid when I started working, it would have been very difficult for me to to even get answers to some of the the issues I had with my period, particularly when it came to pain, you know. So even as at, at a point of going to expiratory surgery to see whether or not I have endometriosis, yeah. Do you, you know, and I know at some point you must have practiced in public sector as most doctors do. Do you think there's enough resources or um, time space uh, for people who use the public health care system to address 
chronic pain, particularly that's caused that period periods? No, definitely not, unfortunately, not for young girls. It's a huge problem, I think. Um, because the first line would be to go to the local clinic where you won't see a doctor, you'll see sort of a nurse practitioner. And those ladies are very knowledgeable, but there's just not enough resources for everyone to be seen by a gynae, whether it's a training gynae or like a full gynae, there's just not enough resources. Our clinics are overflowing with other bigger problems. So, you know, in, in, in public health, you're always on the cusp of, are you going to die of it, you know? And if yeah. you're going to die, you'll be seen first. Um, and pain, you may, it's, it's a quality of life thing. It's not, uh, are you going to live or die? Um, and that's, mm. it's a resource thing. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, I mean, a couple of years ago, I was doing a story about the access to gynecologists in various provinces. And I was shocked to find out that in one of the provinces here in South Africa, Mpumalanga, they didn't even have one gynecologist, full-time gynecologist in public sector. A whole province, you know, we're talking... We're talking so many people, so many besides period pains, besides just thinking about this issue around menstruation, but just general gynecological problems that uh, people uh, with uteruses may have. They yeah. just didn't have access to that. And yeah. so Incredibly what sad. you're saying is so sad, but it's true that it's just pain. You should just yeah. live with it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then add on to that the idea that periods are supposed to be painful. That's how they were designed to be. Mm-hmm. Then you just find women, people living with endometriosis for the rest of their lives and not ever getting treatment. And, you know, usually these women will end up, you know, having severe chronic pain and they've normalized it. And it really it affects your psyche. It affects everything. There's a huge knock-on effect for everything in their lives, everything. Um, you know, chronic pain syndromes are a real problem for mental health as well. So they live with all these issues. They pop so many grandpas. I heard somebody mention grandpas earlier on. And that's usually where then you'll find them in the casualty bleeding from, you know, an ulcer they formed. And then you'll be like, but what's going on? Why are you taking grandpa every day, causing a massive hole in your stomach? And they'll say, well, my period pain or my chronic pelvic pain. And that's when they get seen. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And imagine this person has been living um, 10 10 five years like that and so it's not just about the fact that in the moment they are consequences but what it does I like what you're talking about when you talk about the quality of life Mm -hmm. and how it has a knock-on effect on even the mental health which is a big aspect of this book as well where we talk about menstruation and mental health Mm -hmm. but I also just this is a question and I've read about it but I think it's such a you know we are talking about menstruation. You think that there are no hold bars. There's not, there's no conversation that we shouldn't have, but this is something that I was embarrassed about for a very long time until one day, I think I just, I picked up the phone and I called my friend, a friend of mine. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Somebody else has to be suffering like this. Anal pain during your period. Oh my word. We do not talk about this enough. You know, these, these sharp, out of yeah. nowhere pains yeah. right in the anus when yeah. the period when when you have your period, yeah. you know. And, and it took me so long. I linked to endometriosis. You know, that's something that we 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 I will ask about. I will specifically say, do you have painful 
um, bowel movements and do you have pain in your rectum on your anus during your period? Those are one of the, the questions I asked regarding endometriosis diagnosis. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that because when I read about it, I haven't uh, asked my gynae about it, actually. Um, when I read about it, uh, the article that I found online was saying that, you know, the the release of progesterone can uh, can also cause a little bit of uh, anal pain. And so I've normalized that myself. You know, here we are trying to destigmatize these things but I'm still sitting here with the wrong impression around uh, what causes the anal pain can you speak about that yeah it's not a common symptom at all but if there's any bowel symptoms related to your period you need to think endometriosis because endometriosis infiltrates into the bowels it infiltrates into the bladder and causes a lot of problems most women with their periods, especially women who release lots of prostaglandins and have lots of cramping during their periods, they will experience a little bit of diarrhea, especially on the most painful day. And that's quite normal. And that's what you're talking about, where you have sort of um, a little bit of release of prostaglandins, which cause contraction of, of your bowels as well as the uterus. Um, so most women will have a looser stool around their periods, and that's normal. But there are women who have, like you said, the anal pain. And that's something that you need to then look a little bit deeper and say, is there not endometriosis involved here? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if people know what endometriosis is. I can give like a really like, you know, yes. in a nutshell, just how I explain it to my patients. But basically, the uterus is made up of a couple of linings or a couple of layers, sorry. And the innermost um, layer is called the endometrial lining. That's the lining of the uterus. And the endometrial cells those are the ones that bleed every month in response to our menstrual cycle and our hormones. So sometimes for whatever reason, there's lots of theories about why women get endometriosis, but for some reason, those endometrial cells are found where they're not supposed to be outside of the uterus. So now they're found in the pelvis, on in the gut, on the lining, wherever, not where, they, where they're not supposed to be. And when you have your period, when you bleed, those cells that are programmed to bleed, they bleed in that area as well. And what happens is, what is your body's response to bleeding? It wants to stop it and it wants to cause scar tissue to come and stop that cells, those cells from bleeding. And then you get all this response in your, this inflammatory response, because now you've got bleeding where there's not supposed to be bleeding. And then you get all the scar tissue formation and mm. you get pain and you get sort of anatomy distortion because things are changing because now you've got inflammatory cascades happening where it's not supposed to happen and every time you have a period that happens and your body creates more and more scar tissue and that's what endometriosis is and sometimes it looks i mean last week we didn't we did a um an aparoscopy on a patient she was struggling with fertility and we said we don't know why let's go and check out and see if we can find a reason and just next to her bladder was a small little spot of endometriosis um, and there we found the reason because endometriosis has got fertility implications as well, besides having pain. And this is a small little spot. And she never mentioned to, to her gynae, I was assisting to her gynae that she had severe period pains. And when she woke up, we said to her, listen, what are your period pains actually like? And she said, no, it's quite bad, especially on the left. And there oh. we found that spot of endometriosis, which we could find not to wow. explain a whole lot of things. And we removed it and hopefully she'll get better. But um, yeah, so you need to really think quite deeply when you've got weird symptoms related to your period. It isn't just normal. 
and 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 we need to get out of this idea that it will pass you know i think we say yeah. that a lot it, it's yeah. just a period it's just happening for three to yeah. four days yeah. it will be fine i'll be yeah. fine next week and we just get used to that idea no exactly. speaking about endometriosis and how mm-hmm. it's diagnosed a lot of the times uh People don't know what is the procedure. If I'm somebody, I'm listening to this right now and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, maybe I have endometriosis. How, yeah. how, how do I go about getting a diagnosis? Yeah. So you'd definitely go to a gynae. So you can start as a general gynae. It doesn't have to be an endo expert if you think you've got endometriosis. And the gynae will then ask you a whole bunch of questions and also do your examination, which is important, as well as your ultrasound. And at the end of it, the gynae should have an idea of, is there a suspicion of endo? And, you know, do we have to look further? So the diagnosis is actually quite difficult to make because you can... You can really only diagnose endometriosis by doing a laparoscopy, which is putting a camera into the abdomen while you're asleep and looking around inside to see is there endometriosis. And if you see something that looks like endo, you will then take a biopsy of that tissue and send it off to the lab where they will then say, yes, that is endometriosis. The other way to diagnose it, obviously, is if you have a massive endometriosis cyst. So sometimes there'll be a big cyst of endometriosis. And that is very clear on ultrasound often. And then I'll say, without doubt, you've got endometriosis. This is what we're going to do next. So the diagnosis is difficult to reach sometimes, but you don't always have to diagnose it. If you've got a good gynae, they'll say to you, look, I can't say for sure, but the the clinical Mm. indisposition is massive. So I'm going to treat you as if you've got endometriosis. And often that is just, it's fine. Instead of going for a surgery for no good reason. Especially when someone doesn't have the funds available, doesn't have medical aid, particularly when we also think about how, you know, um, I'm not sure right now, but uh, do most medical aids pay for even endometriosis treatment? They do. They do. But you really, I mean, I spend my life writing motivational letters to say, this is a problem. Can you please pay for it? I write, they don't just pay. I can't just write it up and they pay. It comes out of your savings. You don't have mm. money and it's expensive. But the good thing is that endometriosis can be treated by things in the state sector. So even giving somebody the injection, the three-month injection, which is the cheapest form of contraception, really, that can treat it. So that the, that injection will take away your period completely. Um, and that is a treatment for endometriosis was now you don't bleed, you know? Mm, mm. And so we need to also understand the role of hormones in women's um, problems. We mustn't be scared of using them if it's a treatment. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's very important for us to, 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 to know uh, what is there for us. And I think another form of pain, Dr. Ilana, as we talk is lower back pain, mm. you know, a lot of the times I know, I yeah. know a week before my period that my period is coming because yeah. I will complain about my back. It yeah. will feel like somebody, like it'll just be, you know, just feeling tender and yeah. uncomfortable. Sitting is yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. Lying is not lying down on the side on my back is not comfortable. And that's yeah. when I know hmm, next week uh, I'll probably be on my period. Yeah. How do most, what is the general aspect of lower back pain and, and menstruation? 
So it's all got to do with that prostaglandin, prostaglandin release, you know. So it's got to do with those hormones being released into the lower abdomen. And those hormones can cause, or those sort of, those, yeah, I suppose neurohormones as well, they can just cause a lot of tension and tightening and all of that and cramping. And it can, you know, manifest manifest in so many ways. Um, the lower back pain, some women have pain that runs down their legs. Um, oh. And, you know, and it can be really bad. And like I said, it's not normal for it to be that bad. So also look for a reason. And if you can't find a reason, you get the diagnosis of primary dysmenorrhea and then we treat it. So we treat it with whatever methods we decide, whatever methods we discuss with our patient. Yeah, no, definitely. And there's lots of other painful, there's lots of other painful things in your period. So besides just endometriosis, you can have ovarian cysts, which can be quite painful. Um, And then it's important to also see the gynae um, to go and make a diagnosis and then treat whatever that is. Um, Fibroids can sometimes be a little bit painful, especially if they cause compression um, and heavy bleeding, because the more heavy you bleed, the more painful your period is, because if you pass lots of blood, it's going to be sore especially mm. thick pieces of blood and thick pieces of blood also not normal. You need to find a reason. So, yeah. What are some of the reasons for thick pieces, uh, thick, thick blood and oh. clots? Yeah. yeah. So it would be endometriosis would be on that list. There's something called adenomyosis, which is a really thick muscle wall, which we can also treat with hormones or with, with other methods. Um, so when you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, you get in, it's a hormonal imbalance. And often when your period eventually does come, it also just bleeds really heavily. You get a very, very thick lining because of hormonal imbalance. And then when you bleed, it's quite sore um, and you get thick clots as well. You know, there's lots of other reasons, but yeah, fibroids, is fibroids, adenomyosis, endometriosis, those are the main ones. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, what I'm hearing here is that we need to be, pardon uh the the pun here but we really need to be in sync with our bodies to Mm. understand what is not normal and what is uh what needs a doctor or a second opinion or health professionals intervention with our periods but I think you know like I said with me it took me so long it took me till my 20s to to get to a point where I understand uh, my period and and I can say this is not normal this is normal yeah. um, what can if, a, if there's a parent who's listening there's a teenager who's listening there's somebody yeah. who's listening who knows a younger person who's menstruating yeah. um, to 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 be more uh, cognizant and more aware of the potential yeah. abnormal things that are happening with our menstruation what are some of the things that you tell young menstruators so that they don't have to wait 10 years Uh, to get a diagnosis and for their quality of life to improve so this is why this book is so important because it's it's, you know it's bringing out this open what's normal what's not normal and there's a chapter on that to say you know how much you should be bleeding how much you shouldn't be bleeding and those what is your cycle but what I often tell my very young patients even if they just come for like a wild well woman check and just want to start chatting to a gynae is to actually get onto those apps that um you record your period. So then you'll know, do you have a cycle? Is your cycle incorrect? Because often then the, the app will say to you, hang on, you've got an irregular cycle. And that is a flag. You must go and see a gynae. And if you are soaking through your pads or your tampons and you're bleeding all the time or you're not leaving home because of your period for whatever reason, be it pain or too much bleeding or scared of making accidents, you know, that's a problem. You need to come in. So, um, but being aware of your period and often when you're using an app, you know, people are very tech savvy and young people, especially 
then you really start noticing if there's abnormalities. And I often will encourage my patients, they'll sit here and they'll be like, oh, I can't remember. And I'll say, okay, well, you were on the pill for these two years. Pre-pill, what was your period like? Mm. I can't remember. So people, women should be aware. They should actually take note of these things. Because then they'll know if something changes, then you know, okay, fine, something is wrong, something's different in my body, let me go and check it out. And it might be as simple as I've gained 10 kgs and my body is now adjusting to my new weight, because that also happens, you know, or it could be a, or it could be something else more sinister, and then at least they'll be get to the doctor in time. Mm. That is so correct, and, and you are right on the on the mark there around these apps and I know there's a, a lot of issues around my data mining with the apps but I think I also when I started using apps I started to understand not just when I am on my period but even when I'm ovulating mm-hmm. and some, like I could understand exactly because you know yes menstruation is the act of bleeding but there are things that are happening hormonally and menstrually outside of the outside of the actual bleeding and yeah. so that's what the apps help us do. And even though there's so much that is going on with our bodies during our period and that we, as you said, Dr. Ilana, that we must expect camp, we should, or some cramping should be expected, mm-hmm. but uh, there is a level of pain that's not normal and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and simply pushing through is not the norm. And yes. so when we're thinking about what's normal, what's normal and what's not and what we can do about it, some of the things that you've shared here around painful periods and when we should go see a doctor are really, really uh, important. And to read more about what Dr. Ilana um, writes about uh, what's normal and what's not about our periods and what we can do about it, please don't forget to go get Flow, the book about menstruation, as recommended here on this podcast about menstruation. And be sure to listen to all the other episodes that we have on um, on 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 this season of flow the podcast about menstruation and read about understand why your period uh, is, is is why your period comes the way that it does what could be the problem and if you do get the chance go see a gynecologist go see someone like Dr Ilana who will just do a check even if you don't think something is wrong it's always great to go see a, di- a gynecologist the OBGYN to know the state of your health particularly reproductive health and so these are some of the ways in which you can improve your quality of life so you might be sitting at home and for the first time you're really contemplating what your period is like and you're realizing that the pain is not normal we hope that you can share some of your um, some of your experiences with us. You can go on social media. You can just use hashtag flow the book and, and let us know what uh, how your period is, how you came if you're diagnosed with whether it's endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome or any other uh, menstrual disorder. Let us know how it went and the information you share could help someone else um thank you dr ilana as usual for being our resident obgyn and telling us all the scientific and important information that we need to know about our period awesome thank you for having me and for the second part of this conversation about what's normal pain and what to watch for i speak to Ntsakonhlanga and her journey to being diagnosed with endometriosis at a young age and how she lives with the pain and navigates life 
there's battles, there's triumphs, there's losses. But at the end of the day, there's being empowered and knowing what's happening in your body and navigating life knowing this. Ntsako is very well spoken and she really delves into such an underreported and underdiscussed in the public sphere issue around endometriosis and what it means for people who menstruate, particularly when you're still young. Listen to learn more. Welcome to Flow the Podcast, Ntsako. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm so excited. I'm excited for the book as well. Like, I'm ready. <laughs> we we love having you here. And, 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 and uh, even though it's such a difficult topic that we're going to discuss, I'd like to just, if we start around talking about when you got your, uh, your diagnosis, because earlier on, as I was talking to Dr. Ilana, she alluded that a lot of the times it just takes about 10 years for people mm. to be diagnosed with endometriosis because we have normalized living with chronic pain as menstruators. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm going to be very animated with my story because it's, it's <laughs> I think the only way I can really describe it is actually my first period, right? Um, I was 12 years old, it was the third day into the year 2012 when we all thought the year was going to end. I literally felt like my year was going to end. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I literally... I was standing in the kitchen with my aunt and my siblings and we all talking, having a good time. Next thing, boom, on the floor. I just passed out and they woke me up and it was so weird. Right. I took a nap. I wake up and there's just like a whole lot of blood, like a whole lot. I'm throwing up. I have no idea what is going on. I literally felt like, okay, what is happening? And I'm the first one at home. So for me, the period experience, like started with me, you know, the period talk started with me. Um, and then, yeah, my mom gave me the typical um, Zulu mom talk of, yo, if you have sex, you go die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, she just told me about the fact that now I'm on my period. It means I'm growing up as a woman and all of that. So we all thought, okay, maybe it's just going to be a normal period. Oh, my word. I had the worst period pains. And this was like, I was in grade eight in high school. I had the worst period pains. I used to throw up all the time. Like, and when I say period pains, I mean like pains that would actually paralyze your legs. Like you literally, like when you try to even walk, it affects the pain that you have. So, I mean, you know, I think that whole Mbogoto, you know, strike a woman, strike a rock thing kind of clouded our judgment because we're all just like no man a strong woman just gets through the pain you know you'll be fine one day and I just kept on going with it and then I matriculate from high school and I'm moving into the job market the the varsity Mm. market where people aren't as sympathetic aren't as you know connected as we usually or should be in as in high school and now I'm feeling like yo dude like I'm on my period I'm literally in bed dying and my friends are out there living their life like this thing is actually starting to affect my social life it's starting to affect my mental health as well so I go to uh, the family gynae and she says yo you have endometriosis um but now she kind of said it like oh yeah you have the flu you know how maybe like you'd be diagnosed for COVID like Yo, you have COVID. It's like, sure. you have COVID. Yeah, with her, it was like, oh, yeah, you have endometriosis. Here's a pill that you must stay on, progesterols. I'm like, okay, what is in this? She's like, it's more progesterone, right? Um, I did my own research because I'm interested, I'm inquisitive. And, you know, finding out that the pill that I was taking was making me more manly. Like, my voice started getting deeper. My shoulders were getting broader. Like, literally... 
Yeah, but now when the Men Are Trash movie came out, I was just like, okay, am I one of them? Because, child, this pill is making me more <laughs> like a man. And I don't know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that was really the the annoyance of my diagnosis because it was like, oh, you just have this thing. But she didn't speak about how life-changing it is. She didn't speak about how if I wanted to maybe start having kids at 35, I might have to relook at that decision. Um, and from there, it's just been, I think I've been on five different treatments, hormonal treatments, um, be- between progesterols, Yaz, um, Vasan, I'm on Vasan right now, mm-hmm. and amongst others, mm-hmm. I've been through surgery as well. What um, kind of so surgery the- have you been through, if I may ask? What kind of surgeries have you been through? Um, I went through the laparoscopy surgery. Um, the laparoscopy is where they make uh, three incisions uh, incisions on your lower abdomen and one incision in your belly button. Um, the incisions, um, basically, one, they put a camera in your belly button, which to this day, I still feel that scar. Not nice. Mm. The other incisions, um, they look at your womb. They look at your two, um, sets of two ovaries and your fallopian tubes. And then they just remove the endometriosis, right? Mm-hmm. So... Also with that, you kind of think that, oh, okay, so at least now it's over, but it's really not. You can actually relapse and get endometriosis again. Um, and after that surgery, I was put on Vasan, which is what I'm on right now, which basically makes the lining of your womb thin so that you don't shed blood. So I have not seen my period since last year, October. Like, I've, I don't even know what that is at this point. Um, so, yeah, that's really the painful journey of of endometriosis i mean the fact that i've already had surgery on my womb like is like my biggest fear because mm. i mean that's my baby's home for nine months you know and and i, I want to i don't want it already to have some scars but it does and winter is the worst time for endo- any endometriosis patient because you know that that's when your endometriosis flares take place and that's when the scars also start you know acting up it, it's just it's a nightmare and it's a nightmare. And for me, I would have actually been appreciative of the gynae at the time to tell me that, listen, this journey you're about to embark on is going to affect you mentally, is going to affect you emotionally, and you're going to have to relook some of the decisions and actually sit your family down. I mean, I come from a black family. I can't just be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have kids at 22. Mm. <laughs> when? You know? So for me i think i've had to like take a very individual research journey with endometriosis in order to figure it out because there's not enough information coming from the doctors which is very scary and i can imagine you know especially the fact that the pain and 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 how you know now that you're you are aware of what you have and uh you know kind of the the stuff that you need have you found uh, have you found yourself needing to advocate for yourself as well with doctors in work environments and in in general society when you can't I'm sure you have very understanding friends and loved ones but if you can't pitch for something and you know issues like that um, yeah, uh, there's a lot of self-advocates and that comes with it because people think you being dramatic and every girl has her period. So why, what about you makes it so special? Um, and those are some of the things that I've heard, you know, the fact that how, but everyone has period pains. Everyone goes through pain when, uh, why was special? And you tell them about endometriosis and they're like, yeah, but still other people have worse problems. So there's just this constant invalidation of your feelings and 
just the pain because also more research that I've done and also speaking to women, you know, in other countries about endometriosis, um, they've equated an, endometri- an endometrial pain mm-hmm. to that of labor pain. Sure. So consider having labor, labor pain every single month. Yeah, that, that's and horrible. And that for me, you know, and I mean, some women speak about, oh, I'd never want to have kids because of that labor pain. Now, imagine us having to go through that every single month. So it's just you know I think my friends have been very understanding they are very understanding but I think the workplace um gets a little bit tricky and that's why like I find different measures to to work around it I I don't get my period anymore so that part is fine but if I stress too much and like this is the daily um it's the daily you know attributes of endometriosis Mm -hmm. the fact that it's an everyday journey I mean, this week I had such a stressful week with my family, like catching COVID, having to be like the only one to run around for them. And yesterday I just had the worst pains. I'm not getting a period, but that's what happens when you stress too much on endometriosis. You literally cannot stress. You cannot panic. You cannot be too angry. You cannot cry too much because if you do, your womb reacts immediately. And that's why you have to treat it as its own person, you know? And it's 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 almost like you have to be on anxiety medication just so you can calm your endometriosis. It's it's really, a, it's a psychological game. It's an emotional game. It's a physical game. And it's it's something that once you get the hang of it, you can kind of you know, you can kind of just find your way around it. You know, mm-hmm. you just have to create routines that work for you. Like for me, I sometimes take a two week break from alcohol. Um, just so that I can just get her back because they say you can, but just in moderation, mm, you know, mm. you can drink, but in moderation, um, red meat also in moderation because red meat also affects it a lot. So sometimes two weeks I go like full on pescatarian. <laughs> um, but you see, like it's, it's, you can't have a normal life with endometriosis. Like I, I don't care how mild it is. You just simply cannot have a normal life because it can come back at any time. It affects your ovaries. It affects your fallopian tubes. It affects your womb. Sometimes your womb looks like you're six months pregnant. That time it's just swollen that day. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's a lifestyle change. And, and, you know, you, you, you mentioned your mental health, how has, how, how has endometriosis taken a toll on your mental health? Um, so I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, um, in 2018 because of an, because of the hormonal imbalance of endometriosis. And at the time I had taken a break from the hormonal um you know therapy I I really just was not you know feeling those pills anymore I I really couldn't do it anymore and I yeah I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety but not because I was depressed or anxious it was because my hormones are so imbalanced that the happy hormone isn't like spitting out anymore so mental health I mean look I I beat it eventually I got my hormones balanced but it really does play with your mind because you constantly have to discern yourself when people have conversations about children and how easy it is to you know give birth you always have to think about no you know what this is my journey when I have kids I'll be ready to have kids and you know God will ordain it so when I'm mm-hmm. when I should have kids whether it's in my 30s whether it's in my 40s whether it's in my 20s I hope not I'm still enjoying the 20s right mm. but yeah but I I you know it's it's 
daily when you watch, you know, women making decisions about having kids so freely and you're just like, oh, I wish I had that. Um, And you constantly have to be on a zen. You constantly have to be relaxed. You constantly have to be almost the happy person in the room because if you are stressed, depressed, anxious, you're going to have the worst pains the next day. Like it's a guarantee. You cannot be stressed. And that's like the effect it has on the mental health. It's it's really not an easy journey at all. Yeah, no, I I I I like what you you know, the the openness and the candidness in which you've just shared the difficulties and particularly for uh, someone like you who's still so young and 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 has um wants to have children and, and conceive at, at a later stage in life and what we know about what endometriosis does to issues around fertility but Ntako, thank you so much for being an endo warrior and and sharing <laughs> your you. story with with us on the podcast and and really looking forward to also just hearing more from Dr. Ilana about what endometriosis and other disorders that are related to the period, how they affect people and what can be done. But from what you said, you know, when you when when you finally realize that it wasn't normal, the first call was to go to a gynecologist. And although we understand that we are privileged to have private health care and have mm. and have um access to to private health care and a gynecologist and 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 it's not everyone but if you really do are sitting at home right now and you're listening to Nsako and you can relate to some of the things that she's saying around the problems that she's experienced that led to her diagnosis please do contact uh, a gynecologist and or healthcare professional who can help you because it is not normal to live in pain and this episode was really about unpacking that and say that yes cramps are normal but if you are unable to get out of bed if you have pains like Nzako saying on your legs going down your legs if you're fainting if you're bleeding a lot those may be signs that you need medical intervention but again thank you Nzako for for joining us and we look forward to having you on further episodes as we go into other seasons of Florida podcast about menstruation Thank you so much. I'm more than willing to be on more episodes. Invite me anytime. (laughs) This podcast was brought to you by Lelet's Talk, empowering conversations for all life's periods. Join the community now at liletstalk.co.za.